We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright. No, just for Hello! And welcome to issue 643 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spoonerita. <laughs> And I'm your other other host, Cable Hashitani. And this week, we are joined by the one and only Bill Oakley. How's it going, man? Hello. It's great. Has it been over 10 years since I've been on this this program? <laughs> uh, it's it's only it been, well, in COVID years. So yes, it has been a decade. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, last well, time I'm we had you back. Thank it you. It was a yeah. long wait, but it was worth it. I, I think it was 2020. I think it was 2020 because we That's were all... about 10 years. Every year is yeah. now five. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I think I was on once before then, like 10 years ago. Anyway, never mind. We don't need to get... You, oh, People can look you know up. what? You were mm-hmm. because you discussed your enjoyment of uh, malt beverages and which was your favorite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. That's lost in the midst of time, I guess. But it was a... It's, anyway, I'm glad to be back. It, it, my home away from home, this this program. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks. That's really nice to hear. I mean, thankfully, we're using a new app now that will prevent creepy, like, avatar bots to spew horribly racist comments on the feed. Because <laughs> that was, that was, dis- I mean, apart from the language, just that, that avatar was disturbing. I thought it was a real person. Oh, right. Because uh, where we were broadcasting on YouTube directly, it just, mm-hmm. yeah, that was creepy. Yeah. On their, that, on that, their loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was not cool at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you've been keeping pretty busy. <laughs> I am. I'm busy. I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm a, I do keep busy with all sorts of mostly unpaying pursuits. But I, that's the thing that I do. Like I do. I keep busy to a moderate amount with the stuff that I do, the TV writing. Right. Uh, but I also have a hobby, which is developing myself into a food personality. A culinary professional in yes, some ways. I do love, was he the Gordon Ramsay of fast food? Yes. The, I the, I didn't even make that up, but I thought it was a pretty apt thing. The thing is, Gordon Ramsay cooks, so I, I don't really have that facet. To, I, I only have the criti- I only have the being a critical bastard facet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've never called someone like an idiot sandwich or a donkey yet while reviewing food, so you're you're a nicer version I'm of I'm a little bit politer than Gordon Ramsay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. 
Have you ever met him? I'm sure you've been asked this before, but have you had a chance to meet him yet? No, I've never met any famous celebrity chefs. I mean, I, I've, Kenji Ilpazalt, I guess, is a chef, but he's more of a food personality, a cookbook author, and uh, you know, and and so forth. And so he and I have done some events, but he's the most famous food person I've ever met. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one day someone needs to find that to happen, though. I, I'm in favor of that. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Take him Here to your favorite fast food places and see how it goes. <laughs> that would be fun. I hear that he likes, he does like uh, some of these, many chefs, as it turns out, do like fast food because that's what, when they go uh, after a rough day in the kitchen, they go to Popeye's drive through at 1am or they take the staff to whatever, like, and I'm talking about chefs. These are some of the famous chefs are in Portland who have told me this. Um, so like, yeah, it's not like there are many people, I mean, obviously they're not a big fan of things like Burger King, but they, well done mm-hmm. fast food, they're fans. And, and that's actually been able to, but have been a way in which I can kind of insert myself into the community is yeah. by um, biting up to them in that way. Well, I mean, so many of these foods are basically, they are specially created to be pleasing to as many people as possible. Right. I mean, right. like say what you want about whatever, like a, you know, a, a Big Mac, but when you're craving that, like there's nothing else that's going to take care of like nothing. Yeah. And I, and I think there's opportunity too for, for chefs, talented chefs to take those things and, and spin them off into something that's truly magnificent like here in portland we have this restaurant called canard run by james beard award-winning gabriel rucker mm-hmm. and the one of the most famous things they serve there is this uh, white castle slider that is basically it's just like the kind that you get at white castle but magnificent um and it's become one of the trademarks of that place he also makes what he calls a canarbies i don't know if it's still on the menu but it basically was kind of a roast beef and cheddar arby's style sandwich which was mm-hmm. also fa- I, I go there and I know they have all those those fun, fancy things like the duck pancakes and stuff, but I just can't. I get so full eating the other stuff, the fast food approximations that I just like. Those are the best things, man. Yeah, I don't know if you've been to Wedgehead yet here in Portland. I have not, but I've heard they have some good stuff there. They're yeah. well, they're, they're yeah, their burgers are great. Uh, definitely go in and eat. Their burgers do not well, like money things like that. Their burgers and fries don't travel well. They're meant to be yeah. eaten like extremely fresh. But they also clearly missed miss the double decker taco from Taco Bell, so they have their own version. And first off, it is massive. You get two, and they're they're not Taco Bell size. They are if you were to buy your own tortillas at the store, they're huge and delicious. I got to write this down. <laughs> this was worth it just for that reaction face alone. Because oh. I love it. That's my favorite. That was my favorite Taco Bell thing, and I still can't believe that they got rid of it. Um, like when they did that whole menu revamp, but that thing, they took away that thing and they didn't bring it back, which no. surprises me because every other thing they're bringing back with all the Mexican pizza, like all week long this week, it's been the Mexican pizza is coming back. I had it. I didn't like it very much when I had it, when it was on the menu. But now that the styles are for it has driven everybody mad. Um, and, and they're all excited. So I guess I'm going to go try one when it comes back on May 19th. But in any case, the double decker taco, now that is worth pining for. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, you're right. It was the greatest thing that Taco Bell had on its menu. I mean, it tasted fantastic. And it was also the only taco they sell that never fell apart on you. So you got a perfect bite every single time. It was far easier to eat that in the car and while driving than almost any other Taco Bell thing, except for some of the burritos. Um, That's the Taco Bell thing that is the, the cursed Taco Bell most fast food, many of the fast food items can be eaten in the car while driving. Taco Bell is difficult. 
yeah. If uh, the Crunchwrap Supreme is pretty good, but once you're at the halfway point, you're at the apex point of that hexagon. That things get a little squidgy right about there. But if you can power through, it starts to narrow down again, and you're safe. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That middle part it begins to come out at the seams in different spots. I've <laughs> eaten many. I have eaten many cheesy gorditas crunch in my car. So. <laughs> I'm an expert on on that one item. It's awesome. Does your car have the have the residue to show, or, or is, it, is it still clean? Um, it's pro- <laughs> there's probably like you know ancient cheese uh, oh, squiggles yeah. in there. I uh, definitely have a little bit of lettuce shreds that are at least nine or ten years old. Yeah, you Taco the, Bell in there. You lift the floor mat and you're like, oh, there it is. Yep, and it's ninety yeah. percent Taco Bell. Yeah, any other. And yet your car does not smell like rotten food. Yeah, it's true. I try not to think about that too much. Um, So this is a neat little like car hack if you guys ever need it. When I worked at Zipcar and we had a smell that you could not get out of a car with all the sprays, our trick was to always get McDonald's drive-thru, McDonald's french fries, and then leave them in the car for like an hour. So the car would smell like french fries for a while, but no one really complains about that because french fries smell amazing. And it was still able to then somehow overpower and remove any aroma floating around in the car. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Impressive, but gross. Yeah, it's kind of freaky, but that was like if, yeah, we'd have like the ozone sprays and everything. If you still didn't come out, you're like, all right, I got to swing by McDonald's. So it was always good to turn in receipts to your boss because we got paid back for everything we had to do out, you know, for whatever. Sure. It was always good to hand them at the end of the week, like a handful of McDonald's receipts that just have medium fry, medium fry. (laughs) Because <laughs> the medium fry is the only size that fits perfectly in the cup holder. Ah, uh, like this is really well thought out. Yeah, I like yeah. It. It's... Um, so, like, why do you think fast food gets a really bad rap? I'm well, just jumping around here, but just to be very clear, it has a huge number of problems. <laughs> like right. fast food, the fast food industry, fast. Okay, everybody knows it's nutritionally it's most fast food is nutritionally awful. Okay. Mm-hmm. That it's bad for you. That, it, that what, you know, but I'm not telling people to eat fast, you know, fast food once a week. That's okay. One fast food yeah. meal a week is fine. One, fa- you know, three fast food meals a day. That's bad. But you know, so that's one thing. So there's nutrition. Then there's the sustainability issues, the factory farming and all that stuff. That's also bad. And then thirdly, we have the labor situation. Now the labor situation is still bad in many ways because of the lack of unions, although now we're getting them at some places, mm-hmm. including some of the Burgerville locations are Portland. Mm-hmm. But one of the consequences of the extremely low unemployment that we've had during this pandemic and so forth is that the wages have gone up. That most of these fast food places, mm-hmm. at least the ones I see, are offering $14, $15 an hour or more to their workers, which is about double what the workers were getting before the pandemic. So that's like, so that's a, a somewhat bright side of that. So fast food, the reputation, now there. Now there's also a whole bunch of cultural issues that are all extremely explosive about <laughs> <laughs> fast food yeah. as well that Donald Trump embodies that you don't even want to get into. But right. Donald, this, this is one. Th- I don't know if you have a lot of Trump supporters listening tonight. I don't think they're going to want to hear this. No, um, we've chased no. them all. Yeah, no. They're, okay, yeah. Donald Trump doesn't really like fast food. What he is, he's afraid of being poisoned. And that's one of the reasons he's. It's for many decades. For decades, he's. This is what if you read about Donald Trump's biographies. 
it's like, well, I mean, sure, he likes fast food, but he doesn't, he wants food that people don't, he has someone go get the food for him. And the people who made it don't know where it's going because he's had for decades a fear of being poisoned by, by people who didn't like him. So that's why he likes to get pre-made food. Now, he also, he doesn't like it enough to know anything about it. He says his favorite favorite thing is the fish deluxe from McDonald's. There's no such thing as a fish deluxe from McDonald's. Right. You know, he's got a lot of others. Like, just like he said, he, on many occasions, he said, I love country music. I'd like somebody to ask him, name one country music song of any kind from any decade <laughs> that you like. That way he wouldn't be able to do it. Fast food is the same thing. He uses it to seem like he's a regular guy when, in fact, he's probably one of the least regular guys that have ever held office in America. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, 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 it's a ruse that makes me, I actually wrote an article. Anybody who has enough time to waste can Google the article I wrote for New York magazine vulture about this. I was like, don't blame Donald. Don't blame fast food on Donald Trump. You know, it's like he's Donald Trump is not, he's not representative of the kind of people who like fast food in general. He's an embarrassment to those of us who like it. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea about the poisoning part. I didn't know. Yeah, that's apparently yeah. the fact is that, that that's the principal reason. And then he, he only likes to get that or he dines in his own restaurants, you know? Right. Man. Okay, that boy, that that adds a lot. That's also the <laughs> I was about to make the joke that that's very uh, czarist Russia of him because the czars, that's yes. why they had so many tasters because they were also always getting poisoned. So. It's, I think it's extremely in, in keeping with what we know about his personality. <laughs> yeah. So let's roll over, uh, run over to, so like a week ago, you officially kicked off the Steam Ham Society and Food Discovery Club? Yes. So, uh, Well, first of all, I'm going to say this multiple times throughout this broadcast, steamedhamssociety.com, hams plural. Go there if you want to check it out. Now, what this is, it's a club. It's a Patreon, It's but it's I think it's somewhat different than many Patreons in that it's kind of a club. Um for food, the, the headline is it's a club for food enjoyers, food enthusiasts worldwide, mm -hmm. uh, people who are interested in stuff. And it's basically the kind of stuff, if anyone, if you follow me on Instagram or even on Twitter, you know that I'm a food enthusiast, fast food, but also snack food, frozen food, regional stuff, pizzas from all over America, barbecue, all that kind of stuff. I like to talk about it. So this, this is a club for like-minded people. And we have a lot of different types of stuff going on in the club. Like there, there's at the, at the lowest tier. We have this Discord, which is taken. I had no idea the Discord was going to be such a big deal, but it's yeah. blazing night and day with talk about, you know, different types of barbecue recipes and beef jerkies and uh, all these various uh, coated almonds and crap. I can't go on. Tons of stuff. All the time. There's a torrent <laughs> of things, advice people going back and forth. And it's very exciting to see this community already coming to life after a week. So there's also stuff. There's going to be like a monthly kind of newsletter type thing uh, about the stuff that I write about stuff. Uh, from my recommendations, there's going to be a live stream. Uh, there's also going to be there's merchandise with the logo of the society, uh, stickers, T-shirts. And then at the highest level, which is only for really rich people with a lot of disposable income, is a is a thing where I mail you every month, every quarter, I'll mail you a box filled with like the four or five best things I found during that time. Um, that requires a lot of time and effort on my part. So that's why it's expensive and there's a limited number of people on that tier. Anyway. So I encourage anybody with any interest in that type of thing to sign up or at least check it out at steamhamsociety.com. I still continue to do all the same stuff I normally do for free on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is another level of that. Um, and lastly, this is very exciting to me, is that we're going to start having 
secret menu items, sec- either discounts or secret menu items at various dining places for members of the Steam Tam Society. Oh, man. Um, and I put up a video today demonstrating actually a JoJo, uh, one of my favorite places in Portland, the JoJo food cart, dem- mm-hmm. sort of demonstrating how this works. But like there's going to every every couple of weeks, hopefully a lot in Portland, but hopefully in other cities starting soon. I have a, I have some other cities already online for this, that a place people go and you see the Steam Tam Society sticker on the establishment and you know, ah, this place is like-minded. They'll have a secret menu item. At the very least, they'll give you a discount, but more likely they'll have a secret menu item that nobody else can have that's only for the members of the society. I think that seems like fun. And, and hopefully this is going to be, you know, ideally this will be one of those things like Oprah's favorite things where I can move the market. I can, I can say, I can, I can, I can enlist the hundred thousand members of the Steam Ham Society to bring back the double decker taco. Yeah. Or I can, you know, I can bring the, uh, let's say the Reese's peanut butter cup, uh, with potato chips inside to massive national significance uh, because it's so good. So good. Uh-huh. Where at see that kind of thing, you know, I can, I can, hopefully I could be able to move mountains with my giant cult of food lovers <laughs> someday that's down the road, but you know, it's only a weekend. So, so, right. so far so good. So hopefully many, many years from now, um, not only will you strive to become a Michelin starred restaurant, you will strive to become a, a, a steamy or whatever, you know. Right. You a know. member of the SHS. I yeah. think that's actually very valid because people who are who are gourmets have the have the Zagat guide and the and the Michelin stars. But people who don't eat at that type of restaurant a lot, the what I'd say more comfort food likers don't have that. And that's mm-hmm. what this is. Or will be. That's awesome. I really enjoy the idea that you will eventually take over the world through fast food. <laughs> I enjoy it too. I hope that it comes to that, or at the very least, I can have I can move some. Uh, I can become influential enough to move the markets. You know, yeah. <laughs> or I can stock. That's a good idea. In fact, I should invest. I should start getting stock insider trading stock things, and then I give something a bad review, and I shorted the stock. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I shouldn't be talking about this <laughs> on a recording, but. It is a good idea. <laughs> Only senators can get away with it. Yeah. So yeah, much like right. Martha yeah. Stewart, they would throw you in the hooska for this one. It's not a new idea. It's certainly already <laughs> yeah. being done. Uh, so and you also mentioned you do a lot of snack foods too. So I love watching – I mean I love your fast food reviews, but I get really excited when you get various snacks sent to you in the mail and whatnot. Um, a lot of them because I want to try it and also some of them – because I've I've had them and I actually this sounds so dorky I get excited for you to try it it's like oh my god I, I think that's wait. part of the fun there's some sort of intangible <laughs> aspect to this that people like this is what's happening in the Steam Hand Society Discord mainly is there are a lot of like oh you've got to try this and then I order it on Amazon and then we we can you know convene a discussion of it you know yeah um, like there was a I think you were sent this some time ago but it is a it got limited release here in America. I think it was like, it was like the Vietnamese prawn Pringle mm. or like the Korean barbecue Pringle. And I had that when I was in Tokyo years ago and it just blew me away. So when I saw it here, I was like, fantastic. You know, he's going to get to try this one. I expect, I'm sure you're right. I have, I, the one that I recall most is, is the, scallop, the Hokkaido scallop. Uh, Pringles, which I think I actually have one here. I have a couple of these. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I'd have to see the mm. art again. That's kind of. I actually have it right here. I have several Japanese Pringles right here. This one is the um, cream soup one, but I have, I'm pretty sure I have a Hokkaido scallop one here. There's so many the, uh, Asian potato chips 
there's so many seafood flavors of them that we don't have. We don't have any seafood chips here, to my knowledge. No. Even like the crab chips that you know that I love, being with Maryland, or that that's the Old Bay seasoning. That there's no fish or crab taste in it whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah, why is why do you think? And this is a huge generality, but why is American snack food kind of boring? <laughs> I mean, this I, I feel like we just we me. just go salt, sugar, and that's it. You know. You know, I'm actually in, I'm in the midst of, of writing a book proposal about <laughs> snacks, and believe it or not, I, it has 42 chapters, and, and this topic comes up repeatedly within the 42 chapters of the book, is why does every other country have more interesting types of snack food than we do? And there's a number of different reasons to this. The, the people have written books about this topic. Like there's, in Canada, they're very proud of their unusual flavors of potato chips and all that kind of stuff. Whereas here in America, the number one best-selling potato chip is plain. And some people have chalked this up to like, you know, the thing is, how much time do you want to spend on this topic? I go on for an hour. Go for it. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) fine. Okay. Okay. Uh, A professor in Canada wrote a book called Snacks, a Canadian history. And it's a history and her theory, but it's only kind of based on the Northern U.S. is that like the Canadian immigrants are people mainly from Eastern Europe who like vinegar and pickle and things like that, like a spicy tangier type of stuff. That's why they have all dressed chips in Canada. Whereas people in the U.S., at least in the upper Midwest, tend to be people from um, from Sweden, Norway, Finland. And they prefer things that are creamier, like sour cream, which is why sour cream and onion chips are so big south of the Canadian border, but nobody really cares about them north of the Canadian border. They want spicier chips, tangier chips. That's one theory. Now, that doesn't account for the fact that most of Americans, most Americans are not from Sweden or Norway or Finland. We have lots of, of demographic diversity here, but I think those are covered by smaller. The thing is, honestly, those flavors are covered by smaller regional chip places like Zapp's Chips from New Orleans has a lot of delicious mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. And uh, potato chips are one of the few things that we still have that's almost because they're hard to ship and package without them breaking. Only Lay's, only Frito-Lay really does that and a couple other brands most of them are still many still regional chip brands that you know that all over the country we still have uh, i don't know hundreds of them anyway that's that being said i think there are not there's not a huge market that's why lays is not doing things like all dress chips or you know whereas smaller places smaller brands are and i think the thing is it's partly because it's such a giant country shipping stuff is hard. Shipping potato chips is very easy between different parts of Germany or whatever. Whereas here it's immense. You got to ship your chips across the country. They're going to break. So, and you can't take a risk on something that only a few people are going to like, I think is the general theory behind this. That, yeah. I mean, that part makes sense. I just, yeah, that, that totally makes sense, which is why I'm so grateful for places like H Mart and, you know, where I can find those chips, you know, (laughs) It is weird that some brands will roll out every now and then unique, you know, unique to us flavors of chips. Um, There has to be demand, right? I always assume that like, they're like, oh, we're going to do it, but just for a little while because they know it doesn't make them any money. I just, I'm just surprised that it doesn't make them any money. I feel like there's a lot of demand or interest at least in the market for more interesting flavors. I would love to find out more about that. I think there mm. is, but I think it's in, in a certain segment of the population um, that I think that probably 80% of the population doesn't care. 
and I think 20% does. And catering to that 80 is very profitable. Um, and, and, and they're leaving the 20% to more niche places. And there's plenty of niche artisan places making potato chips, candies, whatever. And I think that the, the large makers have decided to just cater to the other 80%. That's my theory. Right. That's a solid theory. That does make a lot of sense. Um, so is there a chip that, you know, like a U.S. domestic chip that, like, the flavor's been discontinued and you'd like to see it come back? Well, not to get, not to harp on this again, but the Canadian all-dressed flavor, okay, for people who don't know what all-dressed is, it's a flavor that was invented in Canada in the 60s, and it's a combination of barbecue, salt and vinegar, mm-hmm. and ketchup flavor, which ketchup chips are another thing in Canada. Some, some flavors have sour cream and onion. All dressed basically means with the works, something like yeah. that. It basically all, means everything on it. All dressed right? is my wife's favorite flavor. So yeah, your wife has good taste. That's the, okay. So that's the flavor. That's a huge flavor in Canada here in America. We have nothing like it. Ruffles mm-hmm. brought out about four years ago, brought out all dressed chips and they had to like, they have a lot of commercials, had a lot of funny Canadian Bob and Doug McKenzie type stuff in it to make people be like, Oh, it's Canadian. Canadians love this crazy chip flavor. Those were so good. My, those are my favorite American chip of all time. Mm-hmm. Then they vanished during the pandemic. They were gone for a long time. Then they came back briefly. Now they seem to be gone again. So that's the flavor. If I, if I can pick one flavor of potato chips in America, that, that I love the best, that would be it. All dressed huh. is an important, but still, um, I like that the best. As far as other flavors go, I don't know. I don't really like, I like, I like the Zaps all, um, voodoo, which is very much like an all dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the texture of Zaps though. I prefer a rough, honestly, I just, in sorting this out, I just I think that I decided that I like ruffled chips better than any other texture of chips. Um, but a lot of people like kettle chips. That's, they're not going to like my, my chapter in the book, about why kettle chips suck. Um, so that's the whole, oh, now I have to know. You, I mean, you are right about ruffles. Uh, I think they're a better flavor delivery. Um, they're the nature of them is more enjoyable on the palate. And even if you have a plain one, those ruffles are just thick enough to hold up to almost any kind of dip also. Mm-hmm. Bingo. <laughs> well, what's the kettle chip thing? Unless you're saving it for the book. Oh, I just don't like the texture. Like I don't, I, I don't like the texture of kettle chips. I think they're too hard and I think they're too sharp. And um, this, even this, yeah. this came up briefly on Twitter about two weeks ago and it's a very polarizing topic. Uh, and everybody is like, babies, you're baby of you soft mouth. You can't eat hard food, blah, blah, blah. It's like mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is another topic that when it comes up on Twitter, people go nuts because there's a lot of mayonnaise haters out there who really hate mayonnaise. And so it's a very polarizing topic as well. And, and it's the same with the kettle chips. I personally would not, not kettle chips brand necessarily. I mean, the kettle chips as a style. I think they're too sharp, and I don't enjoy eating them. Um, I, as opposed to uh, Ruffles, which I like, or Pringles, which are fine, or even regular ones in a pinch. Um, but I just think I don't think the texture. I, I don't like eating stuff that's sharp. like Captain Crunch is another thing where you know when you eat Captain Crunch, it scrapes up the roof of your mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people find that very. They enjoy that aspect of it i do not (laughs) i don't seek out things that scrape up the roof of my mouth i can i can actually actually feel the captain crunch film on my mouth right now even though i haven't had a bowl in years (laughs) like oh god speaking of mayonnaise and i'm amazed we have not brought this up to you yet but for quite some time now the three of us on this show have talked about doing essentially a mayonnaise competition 
will slowly base it on which one makes the best egg salad sandwich. So, oh, that's a good idea. Simple ingredients: we go, we go white bread, hard boiled eggs, and then the mayonnaise. Like no, nothing else that can be altered by the flavor. And we set like, okay, two hard boiled eggs, whatever, a two, a tablespoon and a half of mayo. Like, set standards for it. And then mm-hmm. we get all of them. We get Best Foods. We get Dukes. We get QB, uh, some other regional ones. And even then, like a store generic one or whatever. And then yeah. we have, then we do the blind taste test about which is the, which makes the superior egg salad sandwich. I think that's a great idea. Cause, you know, I did a, I was part of a taste test panel for mayonnaise uh, for Portland Monthly. You may have seen this online if you read Portland Food News. It was about four months ago. There was a Portland Monthly for some reason decided to do a ranking of mayonnaises. And they had me and about eight other food types rank mayonnaise. But we ate them like, I ate them like I dipped the, I dip the pretzel sticks in the mayonnaise and the taste of the mayonnaise, which I think is is not necessarily the same way it would be in an egg salad. And I feel like mm-hmm. using the, because my what I've discovered is that many of my choices that I made while eating the mayonnaise on pretzels, they're not the same as the ones that I have on my sandwich. You know, I like different I like different mayonnaises on sandwiches than I did when on the pretzels. Yeah, yeah, and I think our egg salad thing came from a discussion of why Japanese convenience stores have the greatest egg sandwiches in the world. Yes. Yes. Have you had that one? There's one. I think you can get a couple of those locally. There's ones with that hard boiled egg cut in half in the middle of them. Yeah. Tokyo. Tokyo Sando. Sando. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or it's, it's, uh, it's soft boiled. So the yolk is all gooey. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is soft boiled. That's right. Mm -hmm. It looks amazing. I haven't been over there yet. That's near PSU, right? It's, I never get up there. I, I want to say there's a, the food carts on third. I, yeah. It is right oh, across is? the street okay. from something big. I just never look up there. And I want to say they're talking about moving their location, but they could still be there. Denise and I have been there a few times after our exercise walk. We would then scarf down some of the Tokyo Sandos. Um, yeah, and I think they only use the milk bread also, which helps a lot. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Oh, um, Tokyo point. Sando is, uh, yeah, in southwest... Uh, there you go. Southwest third, it says. Second is what I'm second. seeing. Yep. I had it wrong before. 321 yeah. Southwest second. There you go. This so yeah, is not, not brought to you by Tokyo Sando. <laughs> I mean, it could be. If if you're out there, Tokyo Sando, dude. Uh, you pay us I mean... in sandwiches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, have you ever received a snack food? That when you saw it, you thought this is going to be nasty and you ended up loving it. And then the exact opposite also something you thought like, this is going to be my wheelhouse. And it was just, just didn't do it for you. Absolutely. Um, let me think. What did I think? There's, I, there's, I should have a database or something like this. I can't, you know, I can't draw it out of my memory banks as, as quickly as I would like to. Um, I will tell you that, um, Yes, this year there was a category in the steamies for surprisingly good. Uh, one of which was the Chuck E. Cheese frozen pizza, which you would think would be terrible, but was actually a very good kind of regular, extremely regular pizza. I remember um, your review for that. Yeah, I was shocked that I enjoyed yeah. it so much. There must be something in the in the whatever they make it with. It's better than your average frozen pizza by quite some by quite some margin. But it's don't think it's going to be anything fancy. Um, there are a few other things like that. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I didn't like. Wendy's Bacon Hidden Pringles. 
that was uh, people i was insistent people were insistent that i was going to love these wendy's bacon and her pringles and they tasted like just pure chemicals they tasted nothing like bacon uh or or bleh, i didn't like those at all they were a huge disappointment um let's see i've also today anybody checking out today my instagram will see my enormous ex- i don't know why i did this this exhaustive survey of those craft macaroni and cheese um add-ons <laughs> the flavor boosts like mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. I, I tried all the american ones and all the canadian ones um and i will say that i was shocked i was i, what I thought i was going to love to answer your question i thought i was going to love the poutine flavored macaroni and cheese but it sucked oh um, so that was that was the shocking that was a shocking development um what else uh uh, uh oh uh lays um, numb and spicy hot pot potato chips from um, the Asian market, Asian world market, Asian family market in Beaverton. Those like the, those one some of the best potato chips I ever had. Um, the flavor on them is so intense and it's so unusual. This isn't. I feel like I, I I don't like it when there's too much of an intense rich seafood flavor, but this has just the perfect combination of flavors. Nice. Well, the one I would recommend if you can ever hunt them down, they will randomly appear in my local H Mart. Uh, they're Cheetos from Japan, and it's the barbecue chicken Cheeto and oh, wow. the, grilled, the grilled steak Cheeto. And I fell in love with them because at the 7-Elevens in Tokyo, there's a 7-Eleven brand of these corn chip spirals. One is cheddar. One is like beef ramen. And they are still one of the greatest chips I've ever had in my life. Well, last time we were in Tokyo, my wife and I literally brought an empty suitcase so we could only fill it with these chips from Seven <laughs> Eleven, and these two Cheetos get really close to it. That's exciting. Wait, so the and they can be found at Asian markets here. I have found them in H Marts, and they're not the big bags. They're basically like we would consider like our sandwich size, but mm-hmm. you know we're also gluttons, so that's probably the standard size. The the big H Mart in Portland is on Belmont, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right across yeah, from a, where uh, the nerd out used to be. Yep. Yeah. It, it's uh, in the place that Zoo Pants used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be Zoo Pants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that place. I go over there too. I come as with the walking distance from me. And I like, uh, I like to go over there and check out the various chips and things from time to time. And also I've been making a lot of stuff in my walk. As Kenji Lopez Alt's walk book has introduced me to the world of the walk. So I've been going over there for my light soy sauce and my Shaoxing uh, Chinese cooking wine. Mm. Man, even though I did eat, this is making me hungry again. <laughs> I have a, I have one bag of uh, old Dutch all dressed chips uh, from. I was recently in Vancouver. It's just right over there, and I really want to be eating all dressed chips right now. So thanks for that. Uh, we have a question Welcome from on. the listeners. Uh, Norm from Texas would like to know if you've ever been to a Bucky's. Or an HEB, uh, both are in Texas. I have not been to either, but I have heard stuff about them. Uh, two things: I have, I Bucky's is one of the places, like of the top five places I want to go that I've ever been to. Uh, one is Culver's, uh, which I've never been to, but <laughs> the other one is is uh, Bucky's. I've seen so much great stuff. Buc- people send me the photos of the stuff available in Bucky's, and also it just seems like a huge oasis of all sorts of incredible stuff. HEB, I have not personally been to. But I have a friend, an uh, Instagram friend in Texas, who tends to send me stuff from HEB fairly frequently. So I've tried a number of their good, their unusual stuff, and it, it all very, it's top notch. Um, 
include, I have not yet tried their crazy new potato chip flavors, the vanilla ice cream one. They have a couple of um, mm. new potato chip flavors that, that I've been making the rounds on the internet. Uh, and I'm eager to try those. But the answer to your question is no, I've never been to those places. I'm dying to go to both. I have, I have been to a Bucky's and they are, they are overwhelming. And you have to keep like telling that. yourself that there's still essentially a gas station. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it was very overwhelming, but also pretty damn cool. It was a lot of fun to be there. Um, I haven't been anywhere outside of Oregon and Washington in a long time. <laughs> I guess I was lots of I did Las Vegas on a trip, yes, but there's no Bucky's there. Um, so is there a is there like a snack or a fast food that they claim haven't changed, but it's clearly been altered? You know, I don't know that they claim anything has been changed, but Fritos. I don't like Fritos anymore, and I used to love them. And I think this is—I think they probably admit they've been changed. There's something, and friend, I have some friends who are talking about this. It seems like I believe a number of places, a number of chips that were made with unhealthier oils, like hydrogenated fats, mm-hmm. <laughs> were somehow made healthier about 15 years ago, and they lost their deliciousness. And I would say mm. of the ones that I have tried. Fritos are the most egregious in that because I remember being able to just sit down and like eat Fritos out of the bag for a long time and really enjoying it. Now I eat like three or four and I'm like blit. You know what? That is true. I used to mm-hmm. like crush Fritos and now I'm like, nah. I mean, unless I'm like yeah. dumping chili in them, you know. I think they, I, I, you check it out. When you try it, they built a bit. You, I mean, it's been a long time since you, since any people, anyone, People don't go eat Fritos. This is another chapter of my book. <laughs> Fritos used to be the thing in the 60s. Like, Fritos were the master chip. And Doritos was, like, the freaky chip that nobody liked. And then over the past 50 years, the marketing has gradually changed. Like, Doritos. Doritos sponsors the Super Bowl. Doritos is so hip. It's so happening. It's so cool. And Fritos has been relegated to being, like, the chip that grandparents buy for their parties when they have other grandparents over for bridge, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's only sustained that's... by Frito pies at fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. No, I do love a Frito pie. Good. Doritos mm-hmm. cheese Doritos used to smell like feet, and I hated them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I find them delicious. Yeah, the one for me, and I will sound like a complete conspiracy wacko for this one. I am convinced because I I still like them, but I used to love the Totino's party pizzas with like. They basically turned into like cracker when you baked them. They were super crispy. Yeah. And I've spoken to other people that share my obsession. And we are all convinced that when they went from round to square, they did something to the recipe because they are no longer as good and addicting as they used to be. And it's no way that my pal got more refined. If anything, it got trashier. <laughs> wow. I don't even remember when they were round. They were round. How long ago was it that they were round? Um, about six years ago and they wow. switched to square yeah i have to look that up because i have i've only had been eating them since they're square i don't think they're all that great but like i i'd be curious to know what they were like in the old days mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm not saying they're great i just adore them like that's my one most guiltiest um that and it's embarrassing even though i love good fried chicken i kind of love frozen banquet chicken that you i like that too i haven't had it in a while but i remember um like tv dinner chicken has a certain weird greasiness and a certain texture that like i really loved as a kid and i maybe i should go out and get one of those dinners like the hungry man dinner banquet banquet is the is the gold standard of that stuff though yeah yeah you got to get like the hungry man xxl uh-huh. <laughs> yes <laughs> with the brownie that bakes up mm-hmm. while you're that's right 
Yep. If you get real lucky with a little bit of corn, will fall into it. Gives you your brownie some texture. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, so steam hand. So the steam hand society you launched just this week. Yes. Uh, last, I guess it was eight days ago now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. And it's, not- it's, a, it's fun. Anyway, I hope that anybody who's interested in that, check it out. Uh, it'll be, it'll, 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 I believe it will be worth the money. Nice. Um, uh, Norm from our, uh, well, his name is Homicide with Fire Cow. <laughs> uh, he is still angry when chicken nuggets went to all white meat. What was that? I don't even remember that. I thought they were, weren't they always all white? Well, they're slurry. I mean, mm-hmm. McDonald's chicken nuggets. Right, right. You can look it up online and they show, like, they're not proud of it, but there is a video of, of that they did on some TV show about the McNugget manufacturing process. And, I, did it go to all white? I mean, I, I feel like the slurry was composed of both when I saw the video, but it's possible that I, I wasn't paying close enough attention. Yeah, I think they started talking about how they became an all white meat, and it definitely lost some flavor when that happened. You know, it's interesting. I would say until I started paying attention to cooking and food, which was only about five years ago, I was also a person who only liked, I, I was always about all white meat. Um, and because we were discussing, I discussed this with one of the, um, guy that I've been online with kind of a friend is the guy who used to be the head chef for McDonald's. And mm-hmm. we had a discussion about chicken thighs versus white meat and chicken thighs, even though they're better, most sandwiches, most of the really good chicken sandwiches are maybe with thighs, like, or at least ones that you make or get at a restaurant, but people are afraid of thighs. This is what I was like, I understand why people, cause I, it always looks like it's not properly cooked when you eat a thigh mm. or you have a chicken thigh. And so people mm-hmm. like are weirded out by that. And they, the uh, white meat always looks, like it's much more sanitary because it's all uniform and thighs do not have that. Even though they taste better, they're frightening to people who don't cook. And, and I was one of those people until about five years ago. Yeah. And it's even trickier when you have to explain to them that some of that dark red you see around the bone is not mean it's undercooked. That right. is what happens right. to the, totally. pro- that is what mm-hmm. happens to the proteins when they get hot, they turn into this dark brown color. Um, so your, your thigh is done when it looks that way. Yep. Yeah. But as far um, as ground up thighs, I mean, I don't know, like, that seems like it would be good. I don't know why they wouldn't be it's more expensive. Maybe. I mean, it is technically a smaller part, especially with less than ethical, you know, um, chicken raising techniques. They're just pumping yeah. it full of hormones. So the breasts are massive. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's uh, probably true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot less work for more meat to, to get the breast, mm-hmm. meat, to get the white meat off. Yeah. But it's de- yeah, the, but the thigh is definitely the best one to cook with. Also, it can take a crazy amount of heat, and you're not—they're not, not going to go dry. If you dry out a chicken thigh, you've—you've you've done something. You had to work at it. <laughs> you walked away from the kitchen for an hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Bill, man, we can't keep you the whole time, uh, but it was really awesome to have you on. And thank uh, you very much. Yeah, and uh, I think. You know, if you're interested, if we pull off this um, egg salad sandwich challenge, we'll hit you up if you want to be one of the judges so we can finally put to rest the best mayo for egg salad sandwiches. I would be honored and I would love it. I, I would love to try that. I would love to see if it if it go it flies in the face of my previous mayonnaise judgments. Um, <laughs> because I do think that there's going to – I do think that that is going to be a totally different game than just eating mayonnaise on little stick pretzel sticks. Yeah, no. It'll be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure we'll get lots of opinions on that one. But And let me just make sure – got to try – just make sure that you get 
in the mix, make sure to have blue plate, which is, I think, which I believe is in some ways superior to Dukes, um, mm. although not everybody agrees, and uh, Kraft Real Mayonnaise, which was the one that I liked best from that survey, which I'd never eaten before. Um, so when you do this, just make sure to have those two in the mix, as well as the standards, you know, your best foods and your, do- your Dukes and so forth and your QP. Yeah. Uh, the one that surprised me was when Heinz introduced the olive oil mayonnaise. I didn't think it would be as good as it was. So that's the that's um, another little random dark. It's surprisingly good. And it's, you know, it's as good for you as mayonnaise can be, you know. So. Excellent. Well, that sounds great, man. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely hit you up as we get closer to that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm wanting an egg salad sandwich right now. And I haven't <laughs> wanted one for seven or eight years, probably. So uh, I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of this. Nice. I'm glad we could help. Well, Bill, thank you so much. And uh, the site is the Steamed Hams Society. And you can also, I mean, you're just at Bill Oakley everywhere, right? Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, that Bill Oakley, yes. That Bill Oakley. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, man, it was great to have you on. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll connect again soon here. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night. Melon does make it trickier to leave. Mm. Uh, it does. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Bill, you're supposed to go now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a pro. He's better at this than we are. Yep. He, uh, he has to appear on TV more often. Yeah. That, well, he does. Yeah. I didn't get to bring up like various sodas. It, it, it caught me looking down. Oh, man. Of cola. Like, we could have spent so much more time on any one of the topics that we talked about tonight. I want this book to happen. So you could, we could arguably have him on as a guest for an entire month and still not cover every single topic that we would normally cover with him about food. So, yeah. Yeah. And this isn't even like even bringing up, you know, The Simpsons. You know, yeah, or disenchanted, right? or all the shows that he does. Like, no, no, we're just talking about food. Uh, what is everybody else talking about? Like, yeah, every... well, yeah. One, I mean, he, you know, you can tell he clearly loves all of it, but you know, one's a passion project for fun. Mm-hmm. That always makes it more interesting. Because I was going to bring up my favorite uh, Pepsi product that is never coming back, and most people don't even remember it, which was Pepsi Holiday Spice. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it came out like in 2004 around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Cuz it was a mix of basically Pepsi and this drink that they serve in like Norway and Sweden, like all the Nordic countries called Julmust, which I love it. It is so good. Um I think Christian likes it. I think when he discovered it, he got excited too. Um when I, I was in remember. when I was in Sweden, our friend Anna was surprised. She was like, "Oh, it's it's a very Swedish flavor. You're not going to like it." Um, I wound up loving it, and I think it's because you almost taste a lot like um, your mash when you're making a beer, with all the sugars extracted from the grains oh. and that that flavor. That's is the primary. It's that's the primary flavor of Yulmust, and then they put other like star anise and clove and nice spices. And that's what, that's what Pepsi holiday spice was. And I miss it. And the drink was like bright red too. It was really cool. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, I've never had it, but it sounds good. I, but, I like like those weirder and more savory sodas or spicy spiced. Mm-hmm. I should say not spicy spiced. Yeah. Sodas. 
So. That's why it was so cool to tour the Coca-Cola factory all those years ago. Because at the end of the tour, you get to try every single flavor they make globally in their tasting room. Oh, man. Wow. Some of, the, some of the Fantas in, from India are just to die for. What kind of flavors do they have in India? Uh, there, there's like a, like a mango and coconut Fanta. I don't even know if they still make it. You know, they may be discontinued, but some of the India flavors of Fanta were just amazing. Um, and then my other little guilty one is many, many years ago, the Safeway soda brand, and it was only Safeway. They made a soda that tasted like red vines. It was dangerous. I was realizing, like, I'm killing a two liter of this every day. I have to not drink this anymore. <laughs> That's a lot of soda. I'm Bean's going to have to actually fan herself. She's like, hmm. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm kind of picturing like a strawberry Fanta, but um, but that's too bright and, and, mm-hmm. and sweet yeah, to be, re- like, you know, compared to a red vine. And I, I, I have to it, have this. I think they just called it red licorice because, you know, red vine is. Uh, mm. Now I wonder if it still exists somewhere. Now, if you told me that you had found a soda that tasted like red Australian li- licorice, I would walk mm-hmm. out the door right now. <laughs> In search of? Yes. It would become your quest. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Where's Bean questing? <laughs> well, you know, yes. questing. <laughs> oh man so now yeah now I'm just trying to find it again <laughs> anyway that's right whoa there's a Dr. Pepper gummy flavored soda that's weird anyway that, that was it that was the thing uh, I would understand a Dr. Pepper soda flavored gummy but they not think, a, yeah. what is a Dr. Pepper gummy flavored soda I don't know, is it soda that just has an extra wax flavor to it? I mean, I think Dr. Pepper is a flavor of jelly bean, so I bet you there are other candies that are Dr. Pepper flavored. See, I feel like we should have kept Bill on. But but why would you... Yeah, no kidding. You're the one who let him leave. We're not done here. Oh, my God. We we don't want to be greedy. Yeah, whenever we don't agree on a time ahead of time, I always, like... I don't know. I feel. I always feel like okay. I want. I, I got to give them an out if they want. You know. Yeah, I, that was a solid forty-five minutes. Man. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. Yeah, we get like he would have. It's fine. Yeah. Um. No, like I, I get that there are Dr. Pepper flavored candies, but that means they are still flavored after the soda Dr. Pepper. So why would you then have a Dr. Pepper flavored candy flavored soda? Because when you flavor, when you give candy. When, when a candy is imitating a flavor of something else, it's not exactly the same. It's it's candy that is imitating that flavor. And so now the soda is imitating the imitation of the imitation. It's twice removed from the original flavor. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, my God. You know what? I learned the weirdest thing that's like moderately relevant to this conversation. The um how do you guys feel about banana flavored candy? Um, like I enjoy it, but I also know it is not the flavor of banana because it's uh, the flavor of something else. No. It, 
I know, know this. I know it this. Is the, it is the flavor of a variety of a banana that has since become extinct. Which is what I was going to say, but I didn't oh. want to step on your thunder. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm very pleased by like well not pleased yeah. but like tickled by this knowledge yeah don't don't be terribly surprised but i learned this from merrick who is a fount of strange and unusual facts that scans yeah and i just know it because i think i'm a little bit like merrick or i'm like i wonder why and then i was like well three hours later you know do you know vin diesel had a twin, Has a twin. <laughs> uh but yes, it, it's like it, how Twinkies used to be banana cream flavored. The huh. cream used to be banana cream, uh, and they huh. phased it out during World War II because all the bananas were going to troops and food overseas, and so that's when Twinkies switched to the cream filling we know now because no one really complained about it. And they're like, "Well, this is cheaper, and people are still buying Twinkies, so why are we spending the extra money to create banana cream filling?" Oh, uh, Norm is talking about cheer wine. Um, mm, I like cheer wine. We- Yes, uh, it's very delicious, and and a little bit Dr Pepper esque. Little bit, a little sweeter, mm-hmm. not as spiced, but mm-hmm. um, that that's that's a fun one. That's hard to find too. My mother in law used to ship it uh, up to us sometimes because she can get it when she lives. Hard to find here. Uh, she, where do she like? Her, the town in California that she was living in had um, like one of those old timey candy shops mm. in that they had a v- huge variety of like out of fashion candy and other novelties. And so like cheer wine just sitting right there. It's, yeah. it, it probably is more prominent in the South though. Uh, you can get it here. I know Belmont station and John, a lot of the, like the bottle shops will have it. That's not Ooh. terribly shocking. Um, and then there's that in downtown, there's that rocket fizz candy mm-hmm. store, which has somehow been able to stay open. Uh, Everybody likes whatever. candy. I, I don't know. Like all of these, all the Russian furniture stores out in Lentz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're selling a bunch of furniture. I'm sure but we don't talk about those. <laughs> no, we, do we don't talk nope. about those. <laughs> all the furniture has dust. But stop! Stop talking about those. <laughs> do, do you want the track? This is how you get the tracksuit mafia. That's fair. <laughs> um, bro, why are you talking about on the show, bro? Yeah. The other thing, oh, he Bill didn't bring it up, but I tried this when he got a review of it of putting salted peanuts in your Coca Cola. Hmm. In your Coca, not like yeah. Drink a little bit of Coke and then put some salted peanuts in there. Um. It's actually really good because you get that little bit of salt and a little bit of that nutty flavor, and it mixes really well with Coca-Cola. So, I never would have thought of that, but it scans. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, let's see. We should plan. We want to ask do... what else is on the show. Yeah, but we're an hour into it now, so. Well, I think the other thing that we have is uh, the next two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender from season yes. two. This would be episodes five and six. Although, before before we go further, anyone who is listening to this show that has not gone out and see it, go watch everything, everywhere, 
all at once. Yeah. Do yourself a fucking favor. Go watch this movie. Yes. I 100% endorse it. You can send me DMs afterwards and we can talk about it. It's <laughs> fine. I, I, that, that movie wrecked me. I think uh-huh. we can try and talk about it next Tuesday. Have you, have you seen it yet? You haven't seen it yet. We have it in our calendar for Thursday. Cool. Um, cool. As people have cool. now realized, the last few weeks for Jen and I have been completely crazy and busy because in addition to me launching a book, like, my God, three weeks ago, uh, we also <laughs> bought a house. Uh, we got to buy We got to buy Porchland. Uh, we've lived here for 10 years, and about a month ago, our, our landlord, thank you, sent us... Uh, sent us an email saying you've been great tenants, um, but are you know we need to move on. Like we're not able to, you know. So they're both at res- well into retirement years, and I think the the sale of this house is basically what's going to sustain them, kind of thing. They're like, well, we're going to give you plenty of time to find a new place, and we will make sure you get everything back and write you a glowing review. And we were like, well. Crap. We didn't want to break up the band because, you know, we love our neighbor Gediman above us. And also, have you seen Rent in Portland? Especially if you still want to live within the city, which all of us mm-hmm. very much do. So, Jen is a rock star. Within 48 hours, we had an offer in and they accepted it and we were able to keep this house off the market. And as of yesterday, we, along with the bank, <laughs> own this <laughs> house. So... Yay! Thank you. Long way to say we're seeing the movie on Thursday. Yes, (laughs) it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Um, Also, long way to say that I have flaked and was not able to watch the last two Avatar episodes. How dare you! I know. That's fine. So we watched them for you. It's fine. Okay. I say we. Denise, did you watch the episode? I did watch them. Okay. We watched the episodes for you, Aaron. It's fine. Yay. And this is a great spot to take a break and tell you about our sponsors. First up, of course, there is Guardian Games, one of the city's greatest gaming stores. Don't take my word for it. Go find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, yeah, they have all the games you could ever possibly want. And, um, you know, in-store gaming is back. Uh, and, you know, as always, there's like theme nights or just open gaming. But uh, Saturdays is uh, mini madness. It's open play for any kind of miniature-based game. So, like, you know, Star Trek Attack Wing or Star Wars Legion. Basically, if you need little plastic figures to... Um, to have your have your fights with you need to show up for mini madness open play at guardian games and if you're curious about it a lot of the folks there will kind of help you break into it just uh just one warning if you become addicted to it um your one or two little ships will basically become you know an armada overflowing from a tool chest and you'll be buying different colored binders that link up with the different divisions um don't ask me how i know these things just trust me in that I know these things. So check them out. Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, of course, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. They have all of your comic book needs. And, you know, if they don't have it, they can order it for you. Just, you know, be sure you pick it up. You know, you promise to pay for it because they're shelling out ahead of time. 
And in fact, a great way to never miss an issue is just set up a subscription or pull box at Bridge City Comics. Tell them what you want to read, and every month when that title comes out, or, you know, whenever that title comes out, they will place it in your subscriber box. Like, a great example of that would be a little comic called Season of the Bruja. You know, if you jumped in on issue one, thanks a lot, that's amazing, but now you want to know where it's going, and, you know, sometimes you lose track of dates when stuff's coming out. Uh, issue two comes out April 27th. But, um, you know, you forget. You get busy. If you put Season of the Bruja on your pull box, you're never going to miss an issue. So there you go. Look at that. I'm like Ryan Reynolds whenever it comes to New Deal gin. Or no, aviation. That's what I meant. You know, never, never, <laughs> a plug within a plug within a plug. Just just do it. <laughs> you can get all that at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio, which we're going to get back to right now. Well, I'm going to run upstairs and get water really quick, and you guys can take it away. All right. Yeah. Let me pull up my notes here. I'm currently what? in the midst of, uh, what's it, uh, movie commentary notes. So let me oh. change it up here. Good for you. Um, I'll go ahead and read the uh, IMDb description of the episode, as I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, episode 5 in Season 2 is called Avatar Day. Soka and Katara have to solve a centuries-old crime when Aang is imprisoned for murder allegedly committed by one of his past incarnations. Um, this was a... This was a dopey episode. <laughs> a little bit of a filler episode. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, um, it... It's one of those where, okay, I'll say the good things about this episode to start off with. One, um, it stars, speaking of everything everywhere all at once, it's uh, the guest star of the episode was the venerable James Hong. Um, Most of our audience will know him best as uh, Lo Pan from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, he, He... he is also in everything, everywhere, all at once. He plays Michelle Yeoh's father. Um, not a spoiler. It's a hard movie to spoil because it's about. Well, I mean, try, just try to describe anyway. it. Just try to describe it. You know, it's. I I can't. I just tell people who's in it and tell them to go see it. I go. <laughs> What's it about? Have you ever seen the video for Turn Down for What? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It turns out that that's actually like a very good primer for what you can expect if you're going to watch something from the mm-hmm. Daniels. The Daniels. Did you get a chance to watch Swiss Army Man? I haven't yet. Okay. Well, we're not talking about that movie right now. Yeah. So you have time. Yeah. You really I, should watch it. Um, I think you would appreciate it. Um, I will, and then we'll figure out how to, you know, get the Daniels on, and it's fine. Um, oh, yeah, no big deal. Press kit. We need a press kit. Um, <sighs> you know, amongst all those other things. Oh, get out we sort of have one, don't we? That's behind the curtain stuff. Right, right. Yeah, this, this is off-screen conversation. Yeah. BTS, James BTS. Hong plays the mayor of the village of Chin. Yes. And they hate the Avatar because... They are under the understanding, uh, the, the presumption that Avatar Kyoshi killed their leader mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know like all of these foibles ensue Aang gets locked up 
uh, Sokka is uh, having a little bit of an existential crisis because he lost his boomerang and now wants to like find himself again under the identity of uh, being a detective. And so Mm -hmm. he's being a real pain in the ass about figuring out what really happened here. But they do ultimately get the story. Um, This was really frustrating to me is like they went and they found all of this really great evidence for why it actually couldn't have been uh, Avatar Kyoshi. Mm -hmm. But then Aang is absolutely incapable of just repeating the information that he got from his friends as to why it's not his fault. Because he largely doesn't pay attention to these things. I guess. I I was just like, wait. He is still a 12-year-old. Yeah, and (laughs) not a very... uh, like you'd think that you know, like with you're 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 kind of in a shitty like you're in a bad position here. You should probably take this more seriously. Um, in his defense, he's twelve. That was like their entire trial system was also a sham. Also it's, that, yeah, yes. it's like it's so, only two people. It's the the mayor who is also who is the the uh, judge prosecuting jury. attorney yep. and and the judge and then. The defendant and the defendant gets to tell their side, and then the judge, that you know, the mayor tells his side, and then the he passes decides. judgment for himself. <laughs> so it's like, well, that's not how anything works, or but, it does. But also, but like that could have that would that could have been like a much bigger that that could have been the lesson of this episode is like, well, here's what happens when you decide to have unilateral authority over who's right and who's wrong here. Mm-hmm. But no, it was just kind of a goofy episode. Um, except for the B plot of Zuko. Yes. The B plot uh, is the best part. It, and, and very distressing in that, like we learned Zuko has com- been committing crimes in order to keep, um, he and his uncle in some form of moderate poverty and kept them fed. And, you know, he's still of the mindset. It's like, these are the things I deserve. I'm just going to take them. And he's mm-hmm. using his identity as the blue spirit, which uh, we've seen before. Um, and Iroh tries to talk to him about it. And he, like, he appears to listen and he appears to look. You know, take uh, Iroh's words to heart, but his resolution from that is like, oh, you're right. You're 100% right. I understand about what you're talking about. That means I'm going to go on my own. We don't need to be together anymore. Bye. I actually wrote down what Iroh said because it's actually probably like the biggest speech he's made to date mm-hmm. um, in regards to like right versus wrong and like in, in, in his efforts to to mentor and like, you know, like the, the stewardship of his nephew it, like to go into a certain direction. This is like the most overtly he's ever really tried to steer that ship. And he says um, like in the darkest times, hope is something that you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. Uh, he tells him not to give in to despair because that's, that's a, there's a slippery slope there that, you know, is going to, is going to send them down the wrong path. Um, and and you're right. In the moment, uh, Zuko really does seem to like 
absorb what Iroh is saying and seems like he's going to, you know, stop mugging strangers for cash or nice belongings. Um, mm-hmm. But the next time we get back to those two characters, Zuko's like, we clearly see the world in different ways. So I need to just go off on my own now. And that is very much in line with Zuko still thinks he's a piece of shit. Like for as, for as much ego and bravado that, that he presents to everyone else, he feels like he is completely worthless. I didn't really read into it that way, but I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's how I read it. I, I read it as you, you, like, you have taken to robbing, like, you've, you took your steed from someone who showed you kindness. It's like you have zero self-respect at present. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything that's happened to you just reinforces that uh, being discarded by his father in the first place. He's like, I, I have no worth. Um, so we aren't going to see the, this redemption arc for Zuko spoilers until he really hits rock bottom. Right. Yeah. He still has a way to go. I know we touched on that last week, but he's still like, I think in the episodes we covered last week, he kind of opened a door. Mm-hmm. And now he has walked through it, and 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 on in that room is a bunch of bad shit that's going to go down. Yep. Um. So yeah, I, 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 that was the more compelling story in this entire episode. Yes, the, unsurprisingly, the Avatar was not guilty of what the city claimed because apparently. This uh, noble Chin person who had founded the village of Chin was actually a warlord that was trying to take over everything, much like uh, the current fire lord, uh, Ozai. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyoshi, like, split land in two <laughs> to separate people from him. Mm-hmm. And he got pissed about it and killed himself by falling off a cliff. Also, Avatar Kiyoshi was fucking huge. Yeah. Like that woman was eight and a half feet tall <laughs> with size 17 feet. I don't think I ever realized that before. Like Aang it, is it so really tiny. come up. No, but you presume all of these people are just normal size. No, she's, she made Amazons look tiny. She's a, a, a giantess. Yeah, she was. One of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. Yeah. So I, I found that interesting. Like, I think she's even bigger than, uh, what was the the uh, firebending avatar just before Aang? Or something with an R. Roku? Yes. Yeah. Like, Kyoshi uh, was bigger than I just realized why Roku. they call that device a Roku. Why? Yeah. It it must be an either like Japanese or Chinese word for fire. I'm no, assuming. it is not. 
No? No. Kaji is uh, Japanese for fire. I don't know. It's it's six. It's the Mm -hmm. number six. In Japanese. Okay. Uh, okay. And it's it's called Roku because apparently Wood is the the owner, and it's the sixth company he created. Oh, oh, it says it right there: the sixth company that Wood created. Okay, who's yep. Wood? Uh, Anthony Wood, I guess. The guy oh, who so, invented Roku yeah, before selling yeah. it to Amazon. So some other white dude uh, using a Japanese word for something that he. Made. Sorry, never. Cool. I was inflate uh, conflating uh, the Roku device with the Amazon Fire, Fire stick. stick. Yep. Yep. No, I I followed <laughs> your logic. I, I knew where you were going with that. Why are you letting me walk down all these like dumbass paths if you know what I'm doing wrong in the first place? You you're not doing anything wrong. No. Like <laughs> I followed your logic of why you were conflating those two items. But you didn't tell me that. You were just like, we just kept going down that conversation, even though you knew the right answer all along. I didn't know the right answer all along. <laughs> anyway, chapter six. <laughs> we'll just like delete the last three minutes from this feed. Uh, chapter six, you mean uh, episode Roku? <laughs> Okay. So, also to make it even worse for you, being Amazon doesn't own Roku; they're still their own company. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Is I was conflating the Roku. Oh, okay. Amazon Fire Stick. And then, and then Roku, the Fire Avatar, the Fire Bending Avatar before Aang, same as Roku Fire Bending. See how they all? I got. If I was not paying attention, like what you did, Bean. I do that shit all the time. It's like, oh, it's this and this and this. Wait, those are 16 different things. <laughs> what are you but, talking about? But they can all technically be connected. Yes, but the, like, but that's the, that is the road that leads right to um, red string wall with postcards <laughs> all over it. That's, that's when you're like, yeah, yeah, and you're Charlie Day in it all day long. Yeah. Um, well, now we know which direction I'm headed in. Aren't we all? Yeah, and uh, I'll be there with you, or you'll yep. come find me. Some of us just already live there. Mm-hmm. I, so I get the impression my that my doctor my wants me to go on Adderall, but I can't. Mm. You can't. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you can't. You can't take those types of stimulants if you are or are trying to become pregnant. So I just get to have bad brain, ah. or or change my life plans. In order, okay. in order to, you know, get the right kind of medicine. To fix well, you can still join me. I go through these really fast. <laughs> Look at all these posts. And they're the big ones, too. <laughs> Episode 6, The Blind Bandit. This is actually one that I've been looking forward to. Uh, while looking for an earthbending teacher, Ang and his friends discover a young blind girl with secrets of her own. Uh, this is one of those characters that I knew was coming um, mm-hmm. and have been looking forward to her inclusion. This is Toph. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't love this episode either, but it's obviously an important piece of the puzzle. You know, they're, they're building, they're building a brick wall and, and Toph is one of those, 
linchpin type pieces. Like she's going to be important. I can tell. She's a brick in that wall. Yeah. To use your own metaphor. (laughs) I, yep, I guess so. We're just, we're just going with that now. Um, (laughs) Sad trombone, sad trombone intensifies. Um, so, uh, so the kids are in a new town and they hear about Master Yu's Earthbending Academy. The first mm-hmm. lesson is free. Absolute scam artist. Uh, so they, and they see that. They're like, this is not what we're looking for. So they, they decide to keep searching, but they overhear people talking about something called Earth Rumble 6. Um, which, which is, is a... basically, go ahead. Oh, uh, Please finish your sentence. I would say an underground fighting ring uh, for earthbending, I guess. It, it is. It's also pro wrestling. Like yes. it is 100%. Yes. Like the lead character in this ring is called the boulder and shares a lot of personality traits with one Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> it's hilarious. Did not make that connection. I oh, you also, didn't? Well, oh, I was also man. split screening too. So, like, if you asked me to describe, describe what that character looked like right now, I couldn't tell you. And if you mean specifically, like, his persona as a wrestler, I don't have anything there for you. So, I've seen enough clips of The Rock um, to know the persona. <laughs> and he was designed to look like Dwayne Johnson if Dwayne Johnson, you know, grew uh, a mustache and beard. But that, like, that was the whole joke. He was the boulder. I'm, and now I'm like sad that I didn't pick up on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we watch him like trounce a bunch of other earthbenders wrestlers. Yeah, he's basically like in every round of fighting, there is a very long montage of mm-hmm. the boulder kicking everyone's ass mm-hmm. um, until they actually pull out. Their actual champion. Uh, that They got me on that one, too. I was like, this is kind of single note. And then at the at the last fight, they're like, okay, and now it's time for our champion. I'm like, you mean that's not your best guy? Because it totally <laughs> no. seemed like it. See, maybe I would know these things if I'd ever watched a day of wrestling in my life. But I mean, the majority of wrestling, I, like I've watched a few clips um, I've never watched a full episode. I've never been to a WWE match. Um, like I've learned more about wrestling from talking to people who love wrestling <laughs> or interviews with Freddie Prince Jr. Or watching glow. <laughs> that's, that's where most of my familiarity with. They're basically telenovelas, but with way more colorful costumes and fighting. There you go. But that type of drama is the storylines of almost all wrestling. So yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, they they bring out Toph, and I think the the thing that's significant about Toph is um, not just that she is blind. Um, this is also uh, the the meta story behind this. This is also where we start to see. Um, we've seen the animators draw very specific fighting styles from martial arts 
Toph's style, if you watch it, is different than any of the other fighting styles we've seen. So it's an introduction of a new fighting style. Hmm. Um, and if I knew more about uh, Gong Fu, I could tell you which style it is, but I don't. Uh, I don't know a ton about any fighting styles, really, but I, I do, I do see that you. She has a very almost elegant way that she, you know, does her earth bending, um, and it's very much one of those like I'm like I don't need to do a bunch of physical work to to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other benders like put their whole body into their movements and it, it looks like exercise. Uh, but she, her, her movements are not only like a lot more fluid and graceful, but also much more minimalist by comparison to what we've seen so far. Right. Like it's the difference between uh, Wushu and Shaolin type of thing. Um, I think that the very grandiose movements that we've seen, like the fire Lords do is very Wushu. I guess it is definitely a, a very showier um, one. Um, the waterbenders are very controlled. Um, if we just go by Ang for airbenders, who the fuck knows? I think it's supposed <laughs> to be more Tai Chi than anything else, but he rides around on a ball of compressed air. <laughs> He's like, wee! But yeah, like... It, he also does not have a lot of training. Um, he does an airbending, like he, everything that he does, that's why he is very masterful. If he's just using his airbending, because that's where all of his training is. Mm -hmm. And he's very good at that. He's incredibly good. Um, that's why he can stand on his own against masters that are two to three times his age that know, you know, have, have more experience. It's just all the other the other ones he's not a master of. This conversation actually reminds me of a book series um, where there are much older, experienced, trained sorcerers, and and then there's like this young boy who only is just now like learning that he has magic capabilities, and so they're trying to teach him how to use his magic, and they're like, "You just have to really, you just have to think about it. Like it's it's a matter of like will." And, you know, and then the power and then like the thing that you want to happen happens, but he continues to have this instinct of like doing a lot of physical motions to try to make things happen. They're like, you don't really have to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I might like, you know, do a little this or whatever, but that's just to like put a little stank on it. Really? The magic happens without the motion. Uh, So you're, you're focusing on the wrong part of the, the activity in order to, to make, make, make your will do the thing. The emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yes, <laughs> precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, so anyway, Toph. Toph. Um, we get more of her backstory of being the protected rich girl. Mm-hmm. Like she's from a wealthy family that mm-hmm. they they just focus on the fact that she's blind and therefore she must be helpless. Mm-hmm. And, Classic. Yep. Which 
this is again why the character is loud. It's like impediments like this are not do not equate to helplessness, um, and that is that is an ableist philosophy, and it takes discussion and it takes putting things like this into popular culture media for other people, able-bodied people to have those discussions and go, Oh, maybe this is because someone is this, I should stop thinking this about them. Mm-hmm. So, which is Toph's entire storyline. So, yeah. I'm assuming that we're going to get a lot of that moving forward. Like mm-hmm. every time they encounter new people, like someone's going to give a shit about it. Um, as it is, uh, you know, like events happen and we end up in a place where Toph now has to use her power. She goes up against like seven grown ass men and her parents see the whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. And rather than recognizing, holy shit, you're fucking powerful as hell. And clearly you can take care of yourself. Um they double down, which like it like uh, really makes no sense unless you're a parent, I guess. I don't know, but like don't... this means we have to we have to like have you like watched twenty four seven because this is dangerous. I think I don't think that's in um, typical of parenting. I think it is typical of controlling parents. Mm. Like that's bad parenting. That's that's not. I don't think that's the reaction of every parent. Sorry, I, I, I only know that one kind of parent. So. Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> no, that's not. That is not. That's that's not great parenting. It's not. That is. And it 100%. doesn't make a lot of sense. It it makes sense from the standpoint of they ex they are used to exercising massive amounts of control. Uh, which is also part of, yeah, they're rich. Um, So they want to be in control of things. They cannot control her. And that was exactly what the father saw while watching her fight. It's like, I have never had control of this kid ever. At no point. It's a a, a panic reaction. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. It's still the wrong call. It is an awful thing to do. And, there are far too many awful adults in this show. Um, But again, it's a show for kids. So of course that's going to be a lot of the, the messaging is like, "Eh, sometimes your parents are wrong because sometimes your parents are wrong. And we know where was this show 30 years ago for me? Uh, Do not get me started. We (laughs) know that we had Johnny quest, dude. I didn't have cable, so I didn't have that either. You have cable now. That hey. <laughs> oh, I had to think about like, no, we don't. We use streaming, and then yeah. So I, I, I was tell you, a, I was tired. <laughs> I, I was having a discussion with a co-worker this week where I made a cable cable joke, and she just looked at me for the longest time and went, "I just got it." It's because I see those as two different words in my head because I actually know how your name is spelled. So I was like, 
didn't even click. It took That's, me too long. It's like a barrier between the two yep. words mentally. It, it's yeah, like that's that. kind of what my brain did. And it yes. also my brain remembered that the last time you were compared to the spelling of cable, it was by Rob Liefeld. And you were struggling <laughs> to not punch him for doing that. I was never going to punch him. Uh, the plan was always kick him in the shins. Oh. It was never punch. I was <laughs> never going to punch anyone. <laughs> I just want to be clear about <laughs> what the path of my violence. <laughs> what okay, that's fair. Take. I apologize for. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just remember his response was just cool name. Yeah. Yes, thanks. You didn't come up with a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone didn't see Johnny Quest until their twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that's fair. I was in my 20s when I saw it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am older, it. so I guess that's... It, yeah, it... I know it was network when it was live, but I didn't see it live. And then I, I literally never had cable. And by the time I moved out of town is right when my mom had gotten a satellite, had a, like a direct dish. So see, I grew of... up with four networks. Counting, counting public broadcasting, and then Fox towards the trail tail end. Mm. Yeah, I had uh, CBS, ABC, NBC. Yep. And public broadcasting. Yep. Um, I feel like one of those had like played Johnny Quest and all the other Hanna Barbera stuff in syndication because it wasn't on on saturday mornings with the rest of the cartoons it was on like sundays for like it must have been a local network then yeah it was it was that uh, johnny quest space ghost herculoids um i think uh samson and goliath that was that was oh, a yeah, weirdo no. fucking lineup from Hanna barbera i only understood half of that yeah see well i mean again yeah. <laughs> this this happens more and more these days. I'm like, you know, when this happened, it's like, dude, I was two. I'm like, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, where were we? That was a weird <laughs> trip down Hanna Barbera Lane. Um, so, like, uh, I, I think we've kind of gone over both of the episodes. What did what did you think of uh, the introduction of Toph and where the complications that clearly her presence is going to bring? I feel like she's going to annoy me because she's she just has a, a personality mm-hmm. of like always being on the offensive. Uh, like she's used to giving get people giving her shit about being blind. She's got a bit of an ego because she is a fucking kick ass fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a chip on her shoulder about her controlling parents, um, and she just really doesn't seem like the kind of person. Her personality does not seem like it's going to vibe with the rest of the gang because they've already like bonded. They're friends. They mostly always agree to help the people around them. And what we saw when Aang wanted her help with trading, she's like, no, nah, man, that's not my problem. I'm out of here. Fuck off. So I feel like they're going to butt heads a lot in the beginning, at least. And that's going to get old fast because 
I'm not a child. Interesting. I'm I'll I'm interested to see if that's going to be true. I don't I don't believe it is. I don't believe that that's Hmm. I mean, I will say that I'm like, I'm relying on tropes here because that's usually what you get. Um, But it would not be the first time that, that this show proves me wrong. Um, I do know that the, uh, like the character of Toph uh, is continues on in the legend of Korra. I thought she looked mm. familiar yeah. and not just because she happens to be the girl that Aang saw in his swamp visions. Right. Um, yeah. Toph is a, uh, Toph is in legends of Korra as is Aang. Like, but they're, they're both old. Mm. Oof. And now I say old and I'm like, they're probably like 60. <laughs> <laughs> so like old is relative. Right. Hang on. Now I'm a bit confused. Uh-oh. Because Korra is also supposed to be an avatar. I think so. I don't know anything about Korra yet. The Legend of Korra is the sequel to Avatar The Last Airbender. Right. I just mean the character. As far as... She's a waterbender. Um... And she Yeah, is, she's uh, from Southern Water Tribe, and I think she's actually meant to be the successor of Aang. But they're both alive at the same time. So that can't be it. Which I, like, that's why I'm like, how do you become the Avatar if the other Avatar hasn't died yet? Because you're supposed <laughs> to be a reincarnation. That's not how reincarnation works. <laughs> um... I'm sure there is a an explanation, or like we we have been misinformed about what what the connection is between those characters. I don't want to look into it right now, though, because I'm I don't want it to spoil anything for me, and I don't want to get sidetracked from where we are now, which is only just season two. Yeah, we've just had the chat confirm it's seventy years after this, so that would make Ang eighty two, eighty two, eighty four. Um, and that, yes, Korra is supposed to be the next Avatar. Yeah. So, interesting enough, I have watched all of The Legend of Korra. <laughs> I know. Which I loved. <sighs> That's funny. I know. Hey, it's just like how I watched uh, all the Evil Dead movies originally in reverse. I watched Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, and then Evil Dead, which is a yeah. really weird way to experience those movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's anyway. correct. It's like the, like that with the Pope who retired. That's I. That's not how any of that works. Okay. No. So anyway, yeah, Toph. <laughs> uh, there's still like I'm. I'm still really looking forward to. There's an episode in season three towards the end that is a huge comedic break, right before everything goes to shit. <laughs> that uh, like I've seen it play out before. Like we've had it on at the the store, and I've just looked up and gone, "Is what have is what's happening on screen? What I think it is?" And people, um, who've seen the show are like, "Oh yeah, it's totally that." I'm like, 
that is the most ridiculous thing that this show could do. I, I can't wait to get to that episode. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Interesting. Yep. I think I mentioned yeah. that during season one, but yeah, it's it's gonna be funny. Yeah. I do wanna say it because I don't think that we've really outlined this yet, is that like this show does, you know, officially have my my attention and appreciation now. It it was hard to get into at first, but Yeah, I I agree. I'm <clears throat> I'm invested in it now, but I definitely like Nothing has been done to address any of the problems that I've had of it. Right. It's like, yeah, it's it, like, especially that episode with, um, like, it's like the village of Chin. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, Lord Chin did this. And Lord Chin was actually an evil warlord that tried to take out <laughs> over all of the land. I'm like. So. That's not a very thinly veiled analogy to China, jackasses. <laughs> Since that's, that's why it's called China is because of the Qin Dynasty, <laughs> right? Like I, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I it still weirds me out. <laughs> but again. Thinly veiled is usually veiled enough for, you know, if your audience is below Ten. a certain age. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta give them something. They gave them three seasons. I just... <laughs> no, I... <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. Oof. I think that's funny for a show. That is, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, officially over time, friends. <laughs> thanks again for uh, to Bill Oakley for popping on and chatting with us. Yeah. Uh, Go and, check uh, out the Steam Hams Society. Yes, and I just forwarded you guys some information. We are starting to get some um, uh, movie suggestions for commentaries. So yeah. I saw that. <clears throat> yeah. So. There's more on the Keeking City Radio Facebook page I just saw. Kevin oh, there's another a whole one. bunch. Oh, super. So, yeah. Uh-huh. I'll start, I'll start I'll, or I will continue collecting those. I've got a little pile of notes. Cool. For all that. Um, yeah, next week I think we're going to do a review of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Which we may end up oh. spending a long time on that one, so I don't know. Yeah, it'll be good. Super pumped. <clears throat> it's oh, sorry. it is so much again i cannot i cannot stress to our listeners enough go watch it just <sighs> go yeah mm. i mean if you're not comfortable going to movie theaters i get it don't don't do something you're uncomfortable right. doing but if you're like mm, yeah I, sh- I might go see that or mm, that looks interesting do it yeah. if you're like i can sit in a movie theater with a mask on for another two and a half hours sure <clears throat> betcha Go go pee first. I didn't. Yes, you're not gonna want to leave. Oh man, I oh, my bladder hated me because I like, knew ha- I knew I wasn't going to want to get up at any point during the movie. So that was like the very last thing I did. Yeah, half an hour <laughs> in into the movie, I went. 
Oh man, I should have peed. Oh no. And then an hour later I'm like, I really should have peed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was uncomfortable, but, but I made it. That's good for me to know going in. Yeah. I won't have any water for hours ahead of time either. Pee first. Yeah. All right. Well, I had like two cups of coffee. Ooh, no, that's the worst. Well, on that note, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Panerita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye. Finger guns it. Nice.